Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Rich Roll coming to you from the Rich Roll Podcast, episode one. Um, I've been talking about doing a podcast for a long time. It's something I've always wanted to do. Um, I'm a huge podcast fan. I listen to tons of podcasts. I listen to them when I'm in the car. I listen to them when I'm training. And and really, you know, they've brought uh, a lot of value to my life as well as entertainment. Um, and it's just, a, I think it's a fantastic medium for connecting with people and providing a long-form opportunity to get to know interesting people and learn something. And it's, you know, it's a medium that that uh, is sort of, old as time and, and, you know, as new as it gets as well. You know, it's, you watch TV and the interviews that you hear are five second clips of somebody promoting a movie or whatnot. And you never really get to know the person. You never get to get behind what it is they, you know, the initial message that they're trying to deliver. So I thought it would be interesting to check it out myself and start my own podcast and kind of uh, take a tip from others that I've listened to and have enjoyed and see what I can bring to the table. And, and my hope is that over time, I'll be able to bring you know, some interesting insights to you, um, not just things that I've learned personally and, and experiences that I've had, but also to introduce you to people in my world, you know, interesting guests, people with different, differing points of views on, on a whole variety of matters. Um, you know, not necessarily all that I agree with, but to kind of create a safe and broad platform for lots of different ideas to converge, I guess, is, is what I'm thinking. Um, and if you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, I think he does a great job of that. Like, he'll have all sorts of dynamic guests on, and his, his only real criteria is, you know, is this a subject matter or a person that interests me? And it doesn't mean that he agrees with them or whatever, but he gives the person a safe space to, you know, breathe and convey their point of view and, and the conversations that I've found at least um, are generally quite remarkable and so I would like to try to take a stab at it myself um, and this is our first attempt so it's going to be rough it's not going to be polished it's very amateur we're here at Common Ground in Kauai and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a minute um, and we're set up in a warehouse so we've kind of jerry-rigged up uh, my son's and, and nephew's uh, musical recording instruments into a mixing board to try to see if we can make this work. So if we get, uh, if we run into some tech problems, I won't be surprised. And the idea is to kind of start this organically and and grow it slowly over time. I would love to be able to uh, videotape them also and and throw the videos of the interviews up on on YouTube and Vimeo. So that's the next step. Um, And then beyond that, I think it would be cool to do live streaming also, which we have the capability of doing here, but we're just lacking a few pieces of equipment that we need. And I just wanted to get going, get an initial episode up, uh, try to gauge people's interests and what they want to hear about and kind of go from there slowly. So that's the deal. I hope you come along for the ride and I hope that I can, uh, you know, provide enough uh, interesting information to capture your attention and, and your interest so that you'll follow along. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible. They're not third-party tested or simply 
Just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentus products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built-to-move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. 
I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia. And he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but Basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. First of all, uh, my name is Rich Roll. You probably already know a little bit about me if you're listening to this because you probably didn't happen upon this podcast randomly. But if for some reason you don't, uh, I am an ultra-distance triathlete. Um, I'm a vegan, uh, plant-based athlete. I've been vegan for about six years. Uh, and my story is one of sort of uh, stumbling into middle age, uh, out of shape, overweight, dissatisfied with my life and its trajectory and kind of feeling lost and, and, and awash in society. And the last six years have been uh, a journey in trying to find my way and course correct um, my life's direction. And it's been an amazing journey and I chronicle it in my book, Finding Ultra. If you, if you, if you haven't already checked it out, you can find it on Amazon, which tells my story of kind of how I got from there to where I am now uh, as a wellness advocate a plant-based nutrition advocate, an ultra-distance triathlete, among other things, blah, 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 or whatever. Not to mention the fact that I'm happily married and father of four children. My wife, Julie Pyatt, is here. You want to say hi? Hi. (laughs) My better half by a long shot, for sure. So um, I wanted to talk about what's going on right now. Uh, If you are a fan or read my blog, uh, which is at richroll.com, uh, and you read my most recent post, you know that uh, we have relocated our family from our home in Malibu Canyon, California, out to Kauai. And right now, there are seven of us, my wife and I and our kids, as well as our nephew Harrison. Um, and we are living uh, at a place called Common Ground, which is an organic, sustainable farm on the north shore of Kauai. It's a 50-acre uh, sustainable community on this incredibly pristine uh, piece of property that's owned and and founded and run by a gentleman named Chris Jabe, who's a really fascinating, interesting guy who I'm definitely going to have as a guest on the podcast, who uh, Julie and I have been talking to over the last couple weeks. He's sort of a new friend, um, and he's doing some interesting things here, and, and there were some opportunities here to explore in terms of some new business ventures that he's working on. And that seem to be very in alignment with our mission and what we're doing. And it just made sense for us to come out here uh, and explore that with Chris. So here we are, we're in Kauai, we're living on this farm and we're living in a yurt village that we share with uh, four 20-something kids who work the land and, and work in the restaurant here. There's a phenomenal restaurant on the property here. So if you happen to be in Kauai, you should definitely come by and check out Common Ground. Um, so... 
We've been here about three weeks now. We're going to be here through January 10th before we go back to Los Angeles and, and kind of reassess our situation. So it's been an interesting uh, adventure so far. Um, and if you read the, my blog post, you know this already. Uh, I don't mean to repeat myself, but part of the idea of coming out here uh, was to simplify our lives, to experiment with a more minimal, sustainable way of living, a more sustainable lifestyle of getting sort of closer to the earth and where our food comes from. And, you know, I've been traveling around. My book came out in May, and since then I've been kind of on the road quite a bit, traveling around and and doing book signings and speaking at uh, certain events and conferences like, you know, VegFest and the like, meeting tons of people. And it's been an incredible experience. And and part of, you know, my gig when I speak is I talk about I talk a lot about um, repairing our health um, through plant-based nutrition and sort of developing a more intimate relationship with the foods that we eat and where they come from um, and getting closer to nature in that regard. And the truth of the matter is is that you know after I do my speaking gig and sign a bunch of books, I get on an airplane and I fly home and then I get in my car and I drive to the Ralph supermarket or the Trader Joe's or the Whole Foods and buy my groceries at the you know at the at the grocery store just like everybody else and I try to be conscious in those choices and I try to purchase foods that are locally grown and that are organic you know, provided it doesn't break the budget but I could certainly do better. You know, I don't always look, you know, when I buy a packaged food, I don't always look, well, where was this made and how far did it have to be shipped and what exactly is in it? And I'm, you know, I'm probably more conscious of that stuff than most people, but, you know, still, I I don't necessarily always pay it, uh, the, give it the attention that it deserves. And so coming out here to common ground and kind of living on this farm is really an effort to uh, greater align my my actions with my words. Like, you know, we can do a better job of getting close to where our foods come from. Um, The kids are working in the fields and we're eating produce that's pulled right out of the ground that day and, and sort of, you know, helping with the, with the restaurant in terms of planning more vegan meals and working with Chris on improving uh, some health, healthy food options for his kids and the like. And, it's been it's been great, you know. It's been really grounding, and it's definitely been an adjustment to kind of get out of Los Angeles and traffic, and you know, uh, the distractions and the commute, and you know, all the sort of things that that come with living a busy urban life, and and to just be out here and settle. You know, it's it's had its high highs and it's had its sort of bumps and adjustments, but I think overall we're doing pretty good. And so, I wanted to bring Julie in and talk a little bit about you know you know, why she wanted to come here and how she feels like it's been going and what, what she thinks is important about this experience that we're having, uh, not just for ourselves personally, but for our kids. Hi, Rich. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really honored to be on your first podcast. Thanks for inviting me to come on your show today. I hope it's recording. Is it recording? It's recording. So I'm sitting here, just so you know, I'm sitting here with with, uh, my eldest, Tyler, who's 17, and and Harrison, who's 21, and they're manning the uh, laptop and checking the levels, so it's all good. And also, I want to make sure that I point out the awesome intro music, and you also hear it on the outro here, uh, was uh, produced and created by Harrison and and Tyler. So thanks a lot for that. It's pretty rocking. I think it's it's pretty cool. cool. 
So hi. So yeah. So getting to the food and getting to the the core and the source of where it comes from. Um, you know, Kauai, as you know, has been a dear love of mine for over ten years, and the really sort of profound thing is that. I've always seen our home connected to this exact point on Kauai, um, and I've always known that there was something that was connecting the two the two places. So when Chris contacted us um, a few weeks ago, um, it was sort of like a beautiful message from above. <laughs> I know it's pretty cool. So, just a little background. Uh, my book tour was wrapping up and, and things were kind of slowing down in terms of, of my travel and Julie and I were kind of sitting down thinking, well, what are we going to do next or what's our next step or where do we go from here? And, and these issues of sort of sustainability and living more minimally and kind of reducing our, our overhead and all of that are kind of, have been paramount topics of conversation yeah. at the dinner table and beyond. You know, we've, we've been sort of living uh, more extravagantly than, than we should be for too long. And it's high time that we kind of reduce that and, and really kind of, you know, dial things in a little bit. And we were looking at actually leaving Los Angeles, like moving out of LA and looking at different places where we might live. We looked at Austin we were looking at Asheville, North Carolina, like cool communities of sort of like-minded individuals, supportive communities where we could live more affordably. And, you know, Julie had been out to the North Shore of Kauai several times and, and definitely has always had a deep kind of spiritual connection to this, to this you know, geographical location. And, and I remember 10 years ago, she was talking about how she wanted to open up a healing center here and there, she had big plans and she wanted to do this and that here. And and when we were having these conversations about possibly moving or where would we go, Kauai didn't even come up. I mean, it was because, you know, we were looking at moving someplace that was, you know, it's not exactly cheap here. And there, it didn't seem to, you know, there didn't seem to be opportunities here. And like, you know, we've worked so hard to kind of get to a place where we have a certain audience and a mouthpiece to kind of continue to do the work that we do. Why would we exempt ourselves and go, you know, hibernate on an island. So it wasn't really part of the equation at all until Chris called. And Chris was a guy who I had known of over the years, um, but had only actually met like nine months earlier. I, I first heard about him through a college friend of mine, Nathaniel Corum, who's a, he's an architect. He's actually a really cool guy. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to some of the interesting stuff that he did. He's a, he works with Architecture for Humanity and build sustainable housing in indigenous communities like uh, Indian reservations. He's always traveling. He lives a very kind of um, nomadic lifestyle, but always finds himself working on incredibly cool projects with incredibly cool people. Yeah, and he had actually come to visit us. He had been out to our house uh, when we were living in the teepees in the Airstream when we were building Jai, and so we'd met him there. Right, so he, he had, and at the time, he had just completed working on, um, he designed the cabin on David de Rothschild's uh, plastiki boat. And if you don't, David de Rothschild is a sort of modern day explorer explorer who's done some incredible things, including uh, sailing a boat made entirely out of plastic bottles across the Pacific to raise awareness about um, the health of our oceans, et cetera. And he had come out to Common Ground to help Chris 
design um, the restaurant space and, and how he was going to sort of lay out and build the community that we have today. And he, so long story short, he had come out, he had told us about Chris and said, yeah, you should check this guy out. He's doing some really cool stuff. At which point, this was years ago, we hadn't even finished building our house. We were living in an Airstream and a teepee at the time. Julie, you emailed Chris, did you not? Right, but that was, I actually emailed him a couple years ago. Um, Nathaniel actually uh, contacted me on Facebook and let me know about Chris. And, um, you know, of course, it, it didn't go unnoticed that Chris was exactly at this point on the island that I had seen in my meditations connected to Jai. So... You know, I just took a moment and sent him a quick email and said, you know, I'd like you to know about my husband and and me and what we're doing and that I shared a similar vision um, for a community at this specific point on the island. So I just wanted to, you know, kind of say hey. And and, uh, he sent back an email and just said, let's keep in touch. And then we never met him over all those years. Yeah. And then I, until it was, uh, I was at the Natural Food Products Expo in Anaheim. This past year, and that must have been like I don't know nine months ago or something like that. It was before my book came out. I know that because I gave him, so. yeah, I gave him an advanced copy, and kind of walked the floor with him and Compton Rom, our our nutrition buddy, our guru, our Compton nutrition Ram guru. Bada. Yeah, he'll definitely be a guest on the podcast. You know, that guy <laughs> will blow your mind. Warn, warn, fair, fair warning in advance. Uh, but. But, you know, I had a chance to kind of connect with Chris a little bit, but that was that. I mean, he, you know, he came back to Hawaii. I think he was in, he went off and went to some TED conference and then went back to Hawaii. I didn't hear from him. And then, you know, really didn't talk to him at all until he emailed, he emailed us, like, literally, it was like a month ago. Yeah, well, when we, when we were really considering, you know, making the shift and we started to get real about it, um, you know, I think we looked at Hawaii, we looked at the big island and, you know, glanced at Kauai for like five seconds and then we just, we didn't even consider it because, you know, we just didn't feel like we could really build a business here or really get momentum here um, and keep spreading the message with what we've been doing with all the plant awareness and everything that Rich has been doing with his book and also the music with me and the boys and, you know, our records and albums that we're recording and releasing. So, um, but I did say to you, I said, all of this research we're doing, we spent many hours on Trulia. Yeah, Trulia. <laughs> Trulia became Tr- our new pastime. Yeah, exactly. Like, ooh, look at this house in Austin. <laughs> we were all emailing each yeah. other potential living, dwelling spaces and places we could live. And um, I, said to you, I said to you, I was on my way up to, um, to Chef for Saul Ray up, at, uh, up in Ojai, and I said to you, you know, all of these actions that we're doing, they're just for our ego. They're to calm ourselves down because there's no way that we're coming to this point um, and that we, we may be being moved from Jai that there won't be another opportunity presented. And I told you it was coming. That's right. I mean, basically, she's like, we got to do all this legwork and, you know, you can spend all day on Trulia looking for rental houses or whatever. But the solution isn't... You know, you kind of have to do that legwork. You got to do the lifting, but I mean, we do have children. But but also with the awareness that knowing, like, pr- we're probably not going to find our next place to live through Trulia, even though we kind of <laughs> have to do it, and and that the solution will be presented to us somehow. And it it really it harkens back to the line in the book that gets the most sort of repeated back to me or tweeted to me as kind of the quote of the book, which was that um, the universe, you know, will provide when your actions are, are in alignment and, and you're living in faith that, you know, the universe will provide 
the solution that you're looking for. It was the it was the word it was the word that you said to me during times of self doubt and you know really wondering what I was doing when I was preparing for Ultraman and the like that really kept me going and and proved to be true and have proved to be true time and time again in my life. Like every time I'm in some kind of weird crisis or whatever and I can't see my way out of it or I don't know how we're going to solve this problem or whatever it's just sort of to you know tap into what it is that you love doing pursue that and have faith that you know you will be cared for that you will be provided for that the that the the universe is you know without getting too new agey about it is infinitely abundant and that you know you will be cared for in due time and having that faith it's like it's easy to have faith when everything's going your way, you know, when all the breaks are cutting in your favor. But yes. when, when you're pounding your head against the wall and things don't seem to be working out and your faith is really tested, that's when, you know, you, you really meet, you know, what you're made of in terms of do you really have faith or you just say you do? Well, and, and it always comes down to that one question, really, when you really push to the limits. And it's still, it's always the same question for me. And that's how strong is your faith? Like, that's it. That's right. everything right there, mm-hmm. you know? And even for me, for this blessing and this sort of answer to, I mean, you know, you, you, I've traveled to Kauai at very, very, very profound times of my life, births, deaths, you know, spiritual pilgrimage. And I've done ceremony, I've meditated, I've offered my heart, and, you know, it was, it's really just sort of a love affair that I've had with this island and also a remembrance of something very ancient here and very, very um, deep. And, you know, in the world, as you're going through the world and all these physical things are happening and people have, you know, credit scores and bank accounts and job descriptions and stuff like that, um, you know, it's easy to lose, you know, it's easily, easy to even doubt yourself, you know, and also we, we become impatient. So, you know, 10 years is a long time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> in one sense, and then it's just a, it's just a, a, a like a, a, a blink of an eye in, in another sense. Um, but anyway, it's been a really beautiful, um, just sort of love that I feel from the universe that Chris appeared and that we're getting this opportunity to have this exchange. And even though we all don't really know what that's going to be yet at this point... Right. I mean, it's, it, but it, just to bring it back, I mean, it is kind of amazing that, uh, that um, you know, here we were at this apparent crossroads and not sure what we were going to be doing and, and sort of looking at apartments and towns and never would have predicted in a million years that, you know, Chris Jay would call up and say, hey, I'm working on some interesting things. Like, I'd, I'd love to get your input and, you know, why don't you come and check it out? Like, that was not part of the anticipated equation by any stretch of the the imagination (laughs) so it goes back to like you can't you know we we i think as human beings it's in our dna it's in our nature to to judge you know we judge ourselves we judge other people we judge scenarios we judge situations every as, as much work as we try to do to not judge things we just do so we look we perceive a situation and inherently and intuitively, we make a judgment in our mind. We may not articulate that judgment, but we say, that's good, that's bad. Oh, mm-hmm. I see that over there. That's not good. Right. That's not bad. And, and, and if you take a step back and look at it, go, well, well, what is that based on? That's based on an incredibly limited amount of information and total lack of foresight. Right. Right. So, 
you know, it's that old, um, what is it, that old fable of the, you always hear that story of the guy who, the kid who's going to go off to war right, and, and then right, he, right. he breaks his leg and he can't go right, and whatever. Right. I don't repeat it. Most people have already heard that. But <laughs> you can't, you can't know where things are leading. Exactly. You know, Your you, view is very limited. And I think most people make view. premature yes. judgments on scenarios, situations, That's people, right. and the like. So, That's right. So you don't know. So an event happens and it's like, you know, you go, oh, it's, I, I call it the big teeter-totter of insanity. So, you know, something happens and you go, oh, that's great. That's so great. And then another event happens. Oh, that's not so great. <laughs> and it just goes back and forth between the two extremes. So It's really, really ridiculous, actually. It's insanity. It is, it's complete insanity. <laughs> like if aliens came down and looked at how humans behaved in that regard, they would, they would just say, you people are crazy. You don't know what you're doing it at is. all. It's crazy making. And if you review those times when, when we act that way and when we, we are not in control of our emotions and we go to those highs and lows... 99.9% of the time, if you look in the rearview mirror at what occurred, it was nowhere near what any of your uh, perception was. Yeah, um, I mean, does it, it never plays out like you think no, it's going to ever, no, right? So never. no matter how good a predictor you are. You can't be. <laughs> right. So, so my wh- favorite is, the, is, you know, the universe knows your heart's deepest desires better than you know. And that's the thing that really just touches me so deeply when, you know, I love something so dearly and then life just presents it to me even better than I asked for it or even better than I imagined it. Like, it's just like, oh, I, I love that. Right. So, Wait, what were we talking about before, though? What, what got we me into t- the whole judgment thing? We were talking about uh, thinking that you know the outcome to something or that you know what a good, what a good choice is or what a bad choice is. Right, but what was I talking about before that? Before I that? Don't know. I don't know. I can't go back that <laughs> What far. made me start don't talking about that? Out. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'm in the Kauai vortex. I can't think back that far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so, so Chris, you know, kind of popped up on the radar, and, and it, it, was, it was just a situation where it just seemed so in alignment and the timing was so good that we would have been foolish to not explore oh, it. No, there was no way. And I mean, and the thing that was beautiful was that he felt the same way. And it was one of these things is like one of the things we're exploring with Chris, which is really exciting is we're exploring a new paradigm of, if you can call it business, I, I, I don't even like to use that word anymore. It's a new paradigm of co-creating together. So that's a word that we use a lot together. And sort of more than any single individual that Rich and I have ever met, our alignment was literally stacked on top of each other. So that, in effect, if we were doing one expression or one activity or one, uh, one act you know, for Chris or for Common Ground, that just stacked right on top of you know, Rich and my you know, life expression or anything that we're doing for Jai Lifestyle. So it makes it such a rich... Um, such a rich sort of pool to swim in because we're able to um, sort of serve ourselves, serve uh, this community, and serve the greater whole by being authentic to ourselves and authentic to our heart. And that's, I think, the core thing that's super exciting and why we dropped everything and came here and really wanted to pursue this. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of crazy. I mean, by the, for, from our first sort of phone call or meeting it was like we were suddenly we were on a plane and we were we were already here and we're like what are we doing here it was actually sooner than we thought i know right. 
That's Whoops. our drummer. Just yeah, saying, our oh, audio expert. Just hit the, hit the hi-hat. That's all right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that's what's amazing. And, and what's so cool is that we were able to kind of, you know, take this adventure on without knowing where it's going. And, and really, you know, I mean, Chris, is, Chris wants us here to help him co-create um, broader community with what he's trying to do at Common Ground. And that, that extends to, through multiple avenues from the food that they're growing and preparing to the outreach uh, that they're doing with the local community to uh, the internet um, portal that Chris is trying to develop, which is really kind of the primary thing that he's focused on right now. Uh, Chris, <clears throat> Chris Jabe, his background is in internet broadcasting. He was a co-founder of Broadcast.com with Mark Cuban um, back in the 90s. It was a, it was a company that, that went public and was so ultimately sold to Yahoo. And, and, you know, Chris did very well in that transaction. And, and he was presented with choices. You know, I mean, he's a guy who very well could have gone the Mark Cuban route and tried to empire build and buy and sell businesses or, you know, continue to, you know, stick his head in business and get all mired in that. And, and, and he decided that he didn't want that. He wanted to have a simpler life. And he explored different places to live, et cetera, and finally, you know, found the North Shore of Kauai and brought his family out here and has been living, you know, a pretty simple existence for a guy like that. And, you know, he bought this parcel of land, this 50 acres, which is a former uh, guava plantation, and has slowly been you know, turning it into what it is today, but he has plans for what, it, what he wants it to become. And along with that, he wants to leverage his experience in internet broadcasting and bring that into the, the world of wellness. So I'm working with him on developing a web portal uh, to facilitate that, that would aggregate wellness content um, for live broadcast and, and video distribution for products and services for, for people that are active experts in this field. And, you know, we're in the very, very early stages of it. I don't want to get too into it because there's a long, long road road to travel um, for that. But, you know, that's something that I'm obviously very interested in and seems to, you know, make great sense for me to align myself with a guy like Chris who seems so like-minded and his heart is in the right place and is really committed to trying to help people and improve lives. Definitely. So, you know, it, it, there was no way we weren't going to come out here and, and, and check it out and explore it. So that's what we're doing. Um, that's the Common Ground mission. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety and it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem. A problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers 
to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Meanwhile, we're living in, you know, we've left our nice house and that coincidentally on Thanksgiving Day, I don't know how many of you caught it, but uh, well, you're probably watching football, but on HGTV, they have a TV show called uh, Extreme Homes and they featured our house. They actually filmed that like in June. a long time ago. They spent a day with us right? in June. We weren't even sure that was even going to air. And I think it got cut down. We didn't even see it because we don't have a TV here, but it got cut down in probably a, you know, like a one minute or a 30 second clip or whatever. But we heard that it, we have no idea. We heard that it aired. So it's just funny that our house was being shown on TV with Julie and I sort of walking around our house, talking about our home while we're out living in a yurt out here and like in a, on a farm. Yeah, but it's beautiful. And I mean, you know, I mean, I loved living in the teepees when we lived in the teepees and we were building the house and, you know, I have a background in design and interior design and art, and that teepee was one of my favorite spaces. And, you know, Chris has done an amazing job and made our yurts really, really comfortable. We actually have a 30-foot yurt, which um, Rich and I are living in with the two little girls, and then the boys have their own 30-foot yurt. And then we share a communal kitchen, and uh, we have, you know, community showers and toilets. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really sweet, and... Um, we're really blessed and really grateful to be here. Um, it's definitely not a hard life. 
It's no, a it's very not. blessed and, life. You know, I think a lot of people out there, are, they're like, well, what's it like to live in a yurt? Like, it's actually amazing. And isn't it amazing when the rain pelts? I was, I was waiting for one water leak. There are, there's no leaking. I mean, the yeah. rain is just dumping, and they're completely, you know, watertight. I know. They're pretty incredible design. What is it? Are they like, is it Turkish? Like, who are the people that... I don't want to say Mongolian, Mongolia, but I might be yeah, wrong. I think Mongolian, that, I think. I might be right. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And of yeah. course, you know, we like everything open with us. You know, we, we have our bathtub in our bedroom, and we would prefer no walls inside of a building. There's a Quonset hut on the grounds that I would love to have and just keep it empty and build a couple loft um, levels yeah, cool. on the side. If, if it's pretty follow, cool. <laughs> if you follow my Instagram feed, I, t- I Instagrammed a picture of the Quonset hut yeah, a while back. I was it's all pretty over cool. that. Like, you could totally day. build a house within that oh, structure that would be it'd pretty be incredible. So anyway, so they were really sweet and they gave us walls like normal people, which is really nice. But if we, you know, we stay in the future, we'll probably break them all down and yeah, I mean, let everyone in. I'm completely comfortable in them. Are I you, mean, what's, what's your, what's your biggest sacrifice of being in the year? Like, like, well, I mean, we didn't have, living. you know, kind of getting back to the discussion of living minimally or, yeah. you know, sort of, you know, dialing things back. I mean, we had gotten rid of television a while ago, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. We have at our I house, won that battle finally. I know. Believe me, that was, <laughs> I, I, was, I went kicking and screaming on that one. For years. So <laughs> I, still, I still do. Uh, but at our house, ironically, our house in, in California, we live in kind of a, a remote sort of secluded area, and they don't have DSL. Like the broadband offerings where we live are really poor. You have to the only option available to us is a really slow internet connection. It's I mean it's better than dial up, but it's kind of like satellite. Like it's not good. So you can't really stream stuff that well, or you know, it's, especially it's, with all the people in our house that it's are very, trying to. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty get spotty. Connected. So, <clears throat> so ironically, we're here in the yurts, and we've got like lightning fast <laughs> wi-fi in our we're so it's actually a step up technologically, technologically. From, where, from where we were living because chris cool. you know i mean he's he's the internet broadcast guy there's no way That's there's right. not going to be fast he's got good here, stuff so. here he's got it wired so actually the little girls i think are happy because they can stream the stuff that they want but so i'd already made peace with the no tv thing which ordinarily that probably would have been the hardest thing but the beds are totally comfortable i love hearing the rain at night and that's sweet there's wi-fi and you know it's it's you know you don't you don't have to get in your car to drive somewhere to do something (laughs) it's pretty insane i I get up i get up and walk across the lawn to go teach my yoga class (laughs) right julie's been teaching yoga in the mornings to to the kids and to me and to the people that work here chris and his wife and that's that's been really cool yeah just walk walk across the lawn to this beautiful little yoga room that that chris erected on the property and gorgeous it's pretty nice right yeah it's beautiful so what do you think like could you do you think yeah i could totally hang i mean you know there'd be some design stuff that i'd like to do just for my own you know for my own vibe um but what do you think about like living on an island all the time well a lot of me really 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 loves it a lot um and i think that if i can convince some of my friends to come here then i'll be it'll it would be even better but now i'm meeting friends here and i am connecting with people from the mainland that i know that are here um, you know, I think that there is a, there's a need to just 
you know, connect in on the mainland. And I'm already calling it the mainland. Like I'm some kind of islander on the mainland. Now, just to, you know, be back in L.A. And, I mean, I still have a... I do have a pull to Austin. I think there are some relevant things for us there. And I think it's a cool community. I never meet anybody that doesn't say amazing things about Austin. Yeah. So... I've been hearing good things about Asheville too. Have you really? So that might not well, be out of the. Well, the good news is, is I running. mean, you know, listen, it, there's really not that much to not love here. I mean, I think our big, biggest challenges are that the movie theater, the movie going situation yeah, is bad. not good at all. Yeah, we're big um, movie people, and, and yeah. uh, the movie theater needs a little work. The only <laughs> epic thing is that they were playing Santana, like Black Sabbath Woman, like the whole right. the whole record from start to finish, instead of. What do they call that? First look? That oh, really yeah, like cheesy, the, horrible thing that they play the before movies. movies in L.A.? I think, you know, for me, like, that's, that's one thing I struggle with. You, you know, the idea of, like, there's, I can't, I have, I have trouble getting my mind around this idea that we're, we're exempting ourselves out of, like, the flow of what's happening and culture and society. And I've always been one that thrives on kind of an urban beat not yeah. that los angeles has the, the the most the biggest heartbeat of any city well, but it's a huge city and it's a center too. of a lot of things that are going on and, and i like being part of that and i love new york city like you know i spent some time living in san francisco and and you know i was like i need to be back in new york or back in like i want to be like where it's happening and I like know, so it's for me but what i'm saying is that's an interesting opportunity for me to look at myself and go, well, why do I feel that way? Or what is it about me that feels like I need that? Like, is that like a, like a fear? Like I want to be part of what's going on or the world is passing me by or I'm not relevant if I'm not living right. there or, <laughs> right, right. you know, my ego wants to attach itself to people that are doing interesting things so that I'm like interesting by proxy or something. You know, I don't know what that's about, right. but I definitely feel that. And mm-hmm. so when... Like when we first got here, I was like, oh my God, we're on an island. I know you had a couple freak outs. I had a couple freak outs. What cracks me up is when you get like that, I I remember because Rich is a huge Lost fan, like, I mean, beyond, like he just watched it and studied it and went into it. It was like, it was, he was all about it. Like it was, he was all about lost. So sometimes when I'm driving around, I'm like, Rich thinks he's on lost. Like he's, <laughs> no. he's lost on that. <laughs> it is a little bit like it's lost a little, here. It has a little bit. Of well, I mean, you know, lost is essentially a spiritual adventure, you know, right. like there's crazy I know. things happening and there's something about this Island. There's a, there's a supercharged energy and that energy can be light or it can be dark. You know, yes. and there's a there's a there's a definite heaviness that I think you have to like be aware of and be careful of. Respect. And, yeah, you have to you have to respect this land. You have to respect the people, and you know it's a it's a tricky, interesting social dynamic with the people that live here too. You know whether you're relocated from the mainland or you're <clears throat> you know you're a native to Kauai or, or Hawaii. It's not. Um, it's not always simple, you know, no. knowing how to socially interact appropriately. With well, the people we, that we experienced here. that when we first first arrived. Like we were like the hillbillies from LA, just completely open, and we got a little bit of Kauai vibe. We ended up calling it Kauai vibe. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I mean, that I think that comes from our not really ignorance, but just kind of. maybe lack of awareness of how things work here. Right, exactly. There, you know, we just didn't a, even know. Yeah, there's a, there's a cultural, even though we're in the United States and you know you're in the United States, we're, we're a long way away. And there's some cultural mores and sort of unwritten rules that, 
you know, you got to kind of learn as you go. Sure. I think we, we got it. We got it down now. So how do you think, um, I think other people are, are, are wanting to know like, well, you have all your kids there and like, why aren't they in school? Yeah. Well, we homeschool. Um, that's scary. We, un, we unschool homeschool. That's, that's, <laughs> that's even scarier. scarier. <laughs> that's another, another kind of, kind of what I want to say battle that I'm, that I've, I'm winning, that I've been winning. No, we just, you know, we live a really creative life and we live a creative life at our house in, uh, you know, at Jai House in, in Malibu Canyon. And, um, you know, we're always creating and we're, we're sort of all spontaneous in the way that we move. And uh, I, I think our two younger girls, the arrival of the two little girls sort of dictated that we needed to come up with something else because the regular school structure that exists today was not supporting them. And we have two little girls that are very sensitive. They're extremely strong. They are not easily um, convinced to do other than what they have their mindset on. Um, but they're also just very energetically sensitive and they're affected by their environment. They're affected by, you know, lots of things in the environment um, and uh, other people, places, energetics. And so I think it just came out of a need um, that I started trying to start the homeschool at our house. And uh, Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, particularly with Math as our eight-year-old, like, she is a handful, man. Like, she requires the work of, like, four kids. Like, she's she a is stallion. not an easy child. <laughs> and she's got it. Yeah, she's a stallion. She's like a, a horse that you would want to break in, but you, you don't want to break her in. No. Like, she's got a fire and a spirit. And that's a beautiful thing. Like, that's something that you want to, as a parent, you want to foster and you want to as develop. And Exactly. Um, and we had experimented with having her in, you know, a bunch of different schools. I think she was in, like, three or four schools over the last couple of years. And it just was, it was never a fit. But the sort of common theme was that she, after a few weeks, she'd start to come home, like, deflated with her head hanging low and... You know, sort but of, she'd go to school with like you know two odd shoes, or especially when she was even. Now she's almost she's nine, like a so mini she's starting to get more normal. Betsy but, Johnson, like yeah, she comes totally. up with these crazy outfits, and right. you know is like you know, stitching her own clothes together. Or dirt, with yarn but then and, dirt on her face, or <laughs> avocado smeared on her forehead, or something like that. Right, and and there's something really cool about that oh, too, think, right? Yeah, so. But then she would kind of, you could see her getting beaten down. Well, no, there were all, actually in, in first grade, there were already girl cliques developing in the classroom. So there was already, there was already a culture that had developed in first grade on what was acceptable to wear or what, how you had to be. And Mathis is an artist, and while she's a wild stallion, she's actually selling original art now. She made like 900 bucks before we left selling she had one commission piece and one piece that she sold to grown-ups couples that we mm-hmm. know that are in our community and um she actually went on ebay and got herself a macbook air <laughs> <laughs> she's very so, entrepreneurial she's yeah. amazing and the thing is, is and i let her go crazy and i she had and she has an amazing space at at our house it used to be my yoga room and then we kept procreating and that had to go away but anyway so the girls have been in there and they have their art studio and I really let, I mean, I let the kids draw on the walls when they were little, and I really let them go. And it was a lot of mess and a lot of debris for many years. And especially Mathis would bring in, like, sticks and dirt. And, you know, I just turned my head for one second, and some mess would be sitting in the house. And, 
And then, you know, I saw her Kindle art, the stuff that she's done, you know, on her computer, and it's just extraordinary. The composition is amazing. And I just said to myself, thank God I was right, and I just let her go. So what do you think, but getting back to, like, homeschooling versus traditional schooling, and I think, you know, there's a lot of parents out there that struggle with this, and, you know, their experience, obviously, every parent wants to do the best for their children, of course, right? And... I think there's a lot of parents that are interested in homeschooling, but it's scary. It scares me. It still scares me. Mm-hmm. I come from a very traditional academic background. Um, and uh, maybe just too scary to really explore it. And so they either, you know, spend all their money to, to put them in a private school that's unbelievably expensive or try to do the best parenting they can with the, you know, with the schools that are available. Um, and, you know, what do you think it is about the system that is not working? Well, I think that, first of all, I think every child is different, and I think, and I just want to, before I say anything, I just want to give complete respect and um, honoring to the mother's um, intuition um, or, or the father, whoever, you know, whoever's um, involved with the children. Um, but I will say that there, there are an increasing number of children that are coming into bodies that are being born, I guess I could say in a more layman term, that are being born, that um, they just have a, they have a different energetics, okay? So I think as parents, we often try to say, well, when I was a kid, you know, you always hear that statement, well, when I was a kid, it was like this, and when you were a kid and an old person said that to you, you were just like, you know, you're old, um, and yet we say it to our own kids, you know? So I just think that the, the planet is shifting at such a rapid rate that they're is no way that these these kids that are coming in are so much more evolved than we are. And they're evolved in ways we don't even understand. So they have abilities or awarenesses or ways of operating that are beyond the structure that exists here. So that poses a very difficult challenge for us as parents. And it takes a very courageous parent to allow themselves to step out of the box and to break the rules in service to their child. A lot of these children that are coming in, like we were talking about, you know, our girl Mathis, she's very strong and she is, has a lot of energy. And if it's misdirected or it's um, damaged or hurt, it can be expressed in a dark way. Um, it's these these energies that are coming in are very, very powerful. They may remember their past lives. They, rem- they know they're not just a three-year-old little baby. They know that. So I think that the, um, the challenge for all of us, really in, in a lot of different structures that are, that are on the planet now, not only education, we're starting to say, hey, wait a second, like, that doesn't really make sense. Like, just because my son can't sit in a desk in a classroom you know, with minimal art um, and, you know, toxic food served, you know, for lunch. And then the energies of all these other kids around me all the time, um, just because my son can't do that doesn't make him sick or doesn't make him, um, you know, in, in need for medication, like, or bad or wrong or, or wrong. need or, right. or required to be disciplined. Or no. Like and that. so and the thing is is once you start to see I go I come back to the point that if everyone understood and remembered 
that we are all divine emanations from one source, right? So we are we created by this like amazing force that is the conductor or the creator of all of life. So if we just, just remembered, and I say remembered because we know it at our soul level, but if we just remembered that each being is divine, each being is perfect, then how about if we switched our awareness to instead of saying, oh, Johnny doesn't fit in the box, something's wrong with him, to let me try to serve this individual in my highest way that I know how, keeping them safe. You know, yeah, you got to keep the knives away from them, the car, <laughs> you know, the fire, like anything. You know, yeah, you, you have to parent. But what if you just did that with the intention of, I want to know who you are. I want to know who you are, and I want to support you and I'm here for you. So please, tell me more of who you are. Instead of, you know what, you, you know, like Osho has a, a beautiful um, story that he tells, and the summary of it is, is um, Osho is an, is an Indian master who, um, who, you know, is semi-controversial. Um, I, I won't get into it. Anyway, you can Google him if you want. It's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant uh, consciousness. Um, but he... Um, he talks about how um, that uh, education was created this way. They got like a bird, a fish, a snake, and a squirrel together. And they decided to make a standardized education. <laughs> so therefore, you know, the squirrel would have to fly and swim. The fish would have to, you know, tree jump. And mm-hmm. the bird would have to dig into the dirt, right? So the, the, the whole story goes on. And at the end... They were all wounded, you know, the, the fish crashed, tree, tree jumping, and fell to its death, and then, you know, the bird broke his beak trying to dig, and, you know, the, the point is, is that people... And they all felt like shit, because the, they couldn't... Well, no, I think that, and I'm telling you... <laughs> they all you, had poor self-esteem at the end exactly, of the day. Exactly, they all had very poor self-esteem, which is really, like, the big thing in these schools, and I think, he, I think in his story he says, you know, well, the brain-dead eel, or the very, you know, sort of simple eel is the one that excelled the most because he was medium. <laughs> he was, yeah, like, he me- less, he did, th- less than medium in all of these. He could kind of do all of them a little exactly, bit. Exactly, so... Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, because getting back to, you know, just like uh, Mathis in our own experience um, and her being sort of strong-willed and having a very, you know, strong personality and as a parent wanting to foster that and, and, you know, and allow that to develop and not get crushed, I think is, you know, really important to both of us and probably to most parents who, you know, they want to see their kid flourish and, and their personality come alive and not get kind of crushed and beaten down by a system. And then at the same time, we're dealing with a system that, you know, <clears throat> sort of gives participation medals to everybody, you know, like whether you suck or you're good, right? Like, like it's not okay anymore to tell a kid, hey, you know what, like you're not any good at that. Or like, you know, you need some work, like let's work on it. Like, you know, you play a sport and everybody gets to play no matter what and you know, if the team goes 0 for 10, they still get a trophy at the end of the year, you know, like, I kind of have a problem with that, too. Right. Like, it's sort of where, what happened to honest dialogue, right. you know, like, what happened to just saying, or like, just playing a game. Or, hey, it's okay if you lose, but right. like, let's learn from that, but let's right. not pretend right. that you're good at something that right. you're not. Like, I think that right. that's a problem at I think the same that, time. I think that's a, that's a, um, a correction in the opposite direction to 
Yeah, it's like this balance. weird politically correct like response no. where you can't like even have like an open conversation or dialogue about like what's really happening. Yeah, it's not a balance. And, I, and, and so I don't think that's good either. No, it's not. And then, but, oh, sorry. But, but uh, and I also think that we're in an incredible time. Like for you and I, you know, the internet's really only been part of our lives for not even half of our life, right? right. And I don't think that we can overstate or over-dramatize like how impactful it is to the way that we live. You know, it's I mean, huge. it's changed our lives completely. I mean, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing at all without it and, you know, in a million other ways, of course. But, you know, I look at our, our youngest, who's five years old, and she plays Minecraft on the iPad, and she's creating cityscapes that look like they're out of like <laughs> inception. I mean, it's insane, right? Like, she's actually and she good just at it. intuitively knows how to do it, and she teaches herself. And mm-hmm. and when you see that, and you and it gets back to what you were saying, like the kids that are coming in are different now. Well, they're coming in different, but they're also exposed to things sure. that we can't even fathom the impact of that mm-hmm. and how that's going to play out over the course of their lives. So. You know, when they're when they're learning how to intuitively interact with technology at such an incredibly young age, you know, where does that where does that lead? And I think it leads to a future that we can't predict that's going to be completely different than anything we can imagine. It is. And I think that 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 calls into question and requires a dialogue about the nature, the very nature of education. Yes. Because, you know, we're really teaching curriculum curriculums curriculi. That were Only that have been established, you know, were established a long time ago, and have really not changed much at all. Like you go to, you know, you study English and you study history and you read these history textbooks right. without any real perspective about whether that's really the way anything went down. Um, it's in, in certain respects, yes, it's required to have a kind of a functional knowledge and understanding of our world, and at the same time. You know, there's a there's there is an argument to be made that it's incredibly antiquated, and that our even even the collegiate system, like what is the point of that now? Like, if you want to be an English professor, or you want to be a mechanical engineer, or you want to be a doctor, or something like that, of course, like you know, you, you, if you want to be a doctor, you got to go to medical school. There's certain things that you need to learn to it practice. Depends on what that, kind of doctor. Well, to practice that trait. Oh, don't even get me into okay. like that. Well, that's the, I can go for hours on that. Okay. And by the way, we talked about going for talking for an hour, but I, I think we should just keep going. Okay. Um, until we get bored, but but uh, but. Um, my point is this, with technology advancing as quickly as it is exponentially, you know, with every year, uh, it, it's, it's so dramatic, yeah. it's just mind-blowing, that I think that, that, you know, a lot of these rules of education don't really apply anymore, and that the future of employment is really going to be skill-driven in a way that we can't really anticipate. And so, you know, I think that, that I mean, is it... What's more valuable, like graduating from a good college with a degree in history or really knowing how to use Final Cut Pro really well? Right. Or if you can HTML code or you understand WordPress or you understand how to produce a podcast. I mean, those are real life valuable skills that have immediate applicability and value in the marketplace. And those are things you're not learning. You're not going to learn in college. And they're not that difficult, but they're they're skills that, you know, require some training. So I think it, you know, I think it's, it's worth discussing like a more skill-specific education-based system that prepares people for 
I mean, I think there's a difference between education and preparation for the workforce. For life. How about life? Or, well, life, I mean, yeah, that's the broader right. issue, of course, right. that whole. But in terms of like looking at, you know, our children and considering, you know, the, the pros and cons of homeschooling and what we want that homeschooling experience right. to be and look like and what are the priorities, you right. know, it's, 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 it's really interesting. And I think that, you know, when you look at, at least the public school system where, where we're coming from. And, you know, it's easy to see all the things that are broken about it and criticize it or whatever. And, and then, you know, are we discounting the positive aspects of that? Are our kids being properly socialized? Are they going to be ready for the world? Um, should they go to college? If so, what should they study? What do they want to study? And, you know, Tyler, who's sitting here to my left, like he wants to be a musician. He picked up a guitar when he could barely speak and has never put it down and is it's pretty convinced that he wants to you know develop that as much as possible and that he wants his life to be about that so as a parent what is the responsible or appropriate um, response to that to help prepare him for the world well you I know? mean yeah I know I mean all of that is is uh is all really relevant and uh the, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the boys because they had a different experience. You know, they went to private school as young young children through middle school, and then they moved to public school for financial reasons. Um, but, you know, they're very academically smart, and they can kind of maneuver in that world. Um, both, of, both of the boys, Trapper and Tyler, who are 16 and 17, are both homeschooled. Um, it's Trapper's first year of being homeschooled. Tyler's been homeschooled two years in a row. And in their case, they're just getting the, they're just doing the curriculum, but doing it at home, you know, because they're almost done. So rather than, you know, try to find some alternative thing for them, we were just like, you know, just finish it and get your, get the high school done. Um, but, you know, you and I asked them about their college desires and if they went to college, you know, where would that be? And um, the, the thing that surprised us is we were thinking, well, maybe they want to travel overseas or they want to go to Europe or they want to do something like that. And both of their answers were that they wanted to stay close to us. They, that, you know, we have a very close, creative, interactive family. And, you know, last year, I mean, I think the, the classes, the uh, colleges that they looked at were in uh, Pomona in California, some liberal arts colleges or something mm-hmm. like that. But, um, you know, the year, first year Tyler was home, homeschooled, he uh, produced my record. So it's like, here he is, he's playing, you know, eight instruments in the studio with me producing. He produced the whole thing. I mean, as a 17-year-old, he, has, he produced a record, like, under his belt, and mm-hmm. quite amazingly. So as a mother, it's a complete triumph for me, I mean, for him. And, you know, the, if, if, if our children didn't have direction or didn't know what they wanted to do, then I think we would be asking a different set of questions. But they're not, you know, they're not lazy. They're not hanging around. You know, they're actually doing stuff. And now, you know, they have between them probably 80 songs between the three of them. And they're going to be recording their own record, you know, for their band, Analemma. And, you know, they're actively engaged in, in, in something that fulfills them at a soul level. And... You know, you can't buy that. You can't create that. I mean, I feel so blessed that they know who they are. And the one thing that I want to just mention, too, for, you know, parents with kids that are in high school, you know, um, 
the the thing that breaks my heart, heart the most about the current system is that there is no there's no room for spontaneous creativity in that culture because both of my kids are amazing musicians and none of their friends, almost none of their friends even knew that they were musicians because they would never even say out of fear that it would be the wrong kind of music and someone might not like it and they would then be pigeonholed or uh, sort of labeled for the rest of their high school career. So what that does is it makes kids walk a very narrow line. They never want to do anything or say anything spontaneous or just be free because there's this culture that judges them. And to me, that's a very um, sad environment to be in and not one that I would ever want anybody to spend any time in. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, in, in reflecting back on my experience in, in school and... <clears throat> You know, I was very awkward throughout elementary school and junior high and, and high school. And, and uh, you know, I, I sort of fell into swimming was my solace. You know, it was my escape. Like it was, I could go to the pool and I could be away from school because I just couldn't relate to the kids in my classroom. I just, I couldn't connect. I was an outsider. I wasn't part of like, you know, the scene or, or whatever. And I found my way out of that through water, really. Um, which saved me in many ways, but but at the same time, I was in a very uh, you know very kind of hardcore academic environment, very kind of uh, um, focused on academic excellence, and it was it's a game, you know what I mean? Like it, it's a it's like get into this get into this junior high and then get into this high school, and then if you do these things, then. You know, when you put this on your college application, then you'll be in a good position to get into this school. And, and you know, I just took that lockstep, like, all the way to the end. You know, I just, I was so focused on, like, moving the pieces around the chessboard or whatever um, as well as I could that I never stopped to think, like, well, what do, what do we, you know, like, what do I want? Like, what is, right. what's beating my heart? Like, right. what is it that that I'm interested in or I'm passionate about or what would I like to devote my life to? That, that's, that, that's not part of the inquiry. The system is not set up, ironically, for you to ask those questions or to kind of probe internally into, you know, what it is that you want to get out of this short life that we're, that we're living. It's sort of, well, you know, just, you know, the better school you get into and the more jobs you can get and the more opportunities you'll have and and, you know, then you can make those decisions then or whatever. Right. And, like, I went through the whole thing never once saying, you know, well, what is, what is it that I want? It was just like, well, if I do this, then I can get a good job and that will have a high-paying salary sure. and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, shocking, you know, big shock when I, like, <laughs> you know, have this incredible spiritual crisis after, you know, I'm running into all these addiction problems and having all these issues, you know, because because I wasn't living a life that was authentic to me or in alignment with who I was. And I didn't even know who I was. I was so disconnected from myself. I didn't even know what questions to ask myself to even get to that place. And so, you know, the last eight, 10, 12 years have been about doing that. But I, but I look at Tyler, I look at Trapper, I look at the girls and I think, God, you know, what if I had had that opportunity at that age and was able to know myself and what I wanted out of life at a young age, how different would my life have have been? There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. 
My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. A groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. Well, that was always the point. And I mean, when you and I discussed it at length and you know, we, we, you would talk about all your education and, you know, because it's an amazing thing. I mean, your, your education in the world of education is an amazing thing. You know, having gone to Stanford and then Cornell and, you know, you were accepted into every single Ivy League school. You could have gone anywhere. I mean, that's incredible. And then, and yet you had this challenge with your, with alcoholism and, and, you know, we always talked about, well, what, it, what was the thing that was missing for you? And it was spiritual connection. So, you know, it's like we have it backwards. It's the spiritual connection first that, that plugs you in and connects you to your heart. And then everything else emanates out of that. And the same reason we saw we were at a PTA meeting at this really great school and saw this film called Race to Nowhere. And uh, it's a tragic uh, story about a middle, middle school girl who actually takes her life because she's not... Um, making grades and not, you know, she's stressed out from being on this hamster wheel of test taking and, you know, achieving certain results. And, um, you know, it was, the film was basically backing up everything I had been sort of uh, fighting for or arguing for with you and with the community and other parents and everybody that I've been talking to. And, um, and you know, you thought I was going to stand up and really say, really say something at the meeting. <laughs> I was scared. No, but the thing is, is that I just sat there in silence because the, you know, the parents stood up and said, "Oh, well, it's the children's fault. My child isn't like that." And then another parent stood up and said, "Oh, it's the parents' fault because those parents are weird." And then another parent stood up and said, "Oh, it's the teacher's fault." And the point is, is that nobody is connecting to this divine consciousness that is all of us. 
And that is the beginning, middle, and end of the problem right there. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm not religious. I'm talking about the force that is all of us with no separation, no, you know, no boundaries. So if that's intact, and in our homeschool, we started every day with a humming meditation that, that um, is an ancient Tibetan technique, and it's, it's a maha mantra, which is like a great a very powerful mantra, and it's meant to open the heart, and it's one that we offer on our website, um, and it's one that led me to becoming a songwriter and actually letting that out of my life at, you know, late in my life after um, I had my children and, and, uh, and was married for a long time. Um, but um, it's this, uh, this connection to the heart um, that will allow everybody to remember who they are. And if all of us can remember who we are, then there will be a lot of beauty because I really believe that at the divine plan, we were created in perfect harmony to interact with each other. And not everybody has the same path at all. We all come from the same, same source, but we're all very individualized. And, you know, we need everybody to be more of who they are so that we can have fun so that mm-hmm. we can be blessed and enjoy and create and dance with other individuals. But what do you say to, and I want to get into that, I want to talk about creativity too, but what do you say to somebody who might be listening to this and says, well, that's great, but, you know, you know I, I got to be at work at 5.30 and, you know, I got to get up at 4 and I got to take the kid, and I, take, I pick up the kids, and blah, 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 I have to do all this stuff, like I'm, I'm stuck, you know, like, that's great, you know, be your authentic self or, or whatever, but, like, I don't really have that luxury. Like, I'm, I'm, well, I'm stretched say, is yeah. to the max right now, and I can barely pay my bills, and right. I, I don't, you know, I can't, you know, they, I, I think there's, a, there's sort of a, you know... A, Helplessness. Yeah, 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 and I think, you know, we're in, look, it's tough times, man, you know? Well, <laughs> it's I a mean, lot it's... of people that are really hurting, and, and, and you know for the record, like we've gone through it. Like we, it's been, you know, it, it you know, we've yeah, I had my, financial we, we've had, path. we've done some really cool things like <laughs> the past couple of years has been amazing, but financially very, very difficult Beyond. time. And we've weathered some very difficult times. Yeah. So, you know, I am, I have a lot of empathy and compassion for people that feel stuck or feel helpless or whatever. But you know, is there something that you can offer? Well, I would say, yeah. I mean, I would say, first of all, that, you know, we feel, we feel your pain and we, and we uh, have been through it. We, I call it burning in the fire, the dismantling of burning, burning in the fire, which removes all of your seeming security, you know, away from, you know, all of the illusion of security. So, you know, things like the structure, like bank accounts and savings accounts and insurances and 401ks and, you know, and those kind of things. And I just think one of the greatest tragedies of the current system is that we judge beings based on their bank account. I mean, you know, what is that? Like, you know, it, it's just, it's incredible, incredibly violent. You know, as, as we have seen over the past years, the veil is starting to come down on the real, just the, what's really going on, what's really going on with the banks, what's really going on. And we were all sold this kind of, fantasy that we too could live the American dream and have this little sliver if we were good enough or creative enough or smart enough or clever enough. And it's been, it's been really, really violent. So I feel like the shift of all of these, of all of these structures is now going to reveal a lot of really amazing artists and amazing beings who are trapped 
in other um, in other walks of life, like you were, you know, you you were a lawyer. So, you know, how much more of service have you been now that we had the courage, we took the risk, and we said that we would make the you know leap and. So how much more of service have we been able to be since we, you know, took the risk, I guess? Yeah, well, a lot, but it's, all, it's also about being in the mindset of being in, of service as opposed to, like, what am I going to get out of this? You know, like, what, you know, what, what's in it for me and, and approaching scenarios from, like, how can I be of service but to I this, think, I think? But I think, actually, I don't, I don't really think you can be in service until you know who you are. Um, so that the the authentic service because service just for charity you know like I'm gonna I'm gonna be involved with a charity that the ego that's that's collecting money for the charity can be the same ego as that of an actress okay so we're talking about really being of world service which in order to do that you have to be dismantled you cannot read about it in a book or decide it's a nice idea until you have lived it in your souls. So for anybody that's having a difficult moment and who has deep inside them some spiritual awareness that they are, you know, that there is something greater, I would say congratulations and amazing for you and amazing for all of us. And I so understand how difficult it is. And we, you know, we weathered things. I mean, we'll speak about it more. We'll write about it more, you know, as we start to come into this next year. But just trust me, um, it is not for the weary. It has not been easy in any way, shape, or form. And Rich and I have been, uh, often he has said, you know, I've never been more on the edge of complete annihilation or complete expression before in my life. <laughs> like, it was yeah. literally like a razor's edge. Yeah, it was like living this dichotomy of, like, either everything's going to completely fall apart or it's going to blossom into the most exactly. beautiful flower. Like, I can't tell which one. And it's 50-50. <clears throat> it could be either way. Like, no idea, right? And just, you know, getting back to dismantling, I mean, you know, really, like, when when systems are falling apart or things aren't working out in your life or you're having a crisis over this or you suffer this loss or, you know, something bad, perceivably bad, I suppose, mm-hmm. happens. You know, these are opportunities. I mean, everything is an opportunity for growth and it's annoying and it sounds trite and flip mm-hmm. to say that. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate fact is that it's true. You know, like mm-hmm. if something happens, it, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for growth. Okay, well, what, you know, here's what happened. What am I going to do with this information? How am I going to collate it? What am I, how am I going to organize it? And what, am I gonna, what are the actions that I'm going to take in response to right. it? Right. Well, it's not, it's not what happens to you. It's who are you in, in that process? Who are you in that process? And what are you able to hold? And I think that, you know, holding neutral, compassionate awareness for the whole, you know, unfoldment is really really the tool, really the technique that can get you through all of it. Um, the other thing is, um, as I was saying, saying a little bit earlier, the, the service has to come after you find out who you are. So you were asking me, what would I say to the person that said that they're stuck? So getting back to that point, I just want to make sure that I, that I address that. And I would say, it's really, really important that you find out who you are and that you um, connect to your heart. And the way that you might do that is by engaging in a humming meditation 
or engaging in any meditation, but the humming meditation is just the one that helped me the most. I think we have a forklift coming in. I know. Now. We're in a warehouse it's right really now. Loud. It's a, it's a place of work, so yeah. sorry for the background. So sorry about that. But no, I mean, you have to know who you are. So, and the way you know who you are is you, you, you start to listen to yourself. And we have so much external stimulus coming at us from every which way. We have kids. We have you know, jobs, we have technology, we have TVs, we have everything else. So find a way to start to access your heart, whether it's through training, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through singing, whatever it is, try to start to listen to your soul and really take a review of your life and find out what parts of your life are designed by you and what parts of your life were designed by society or parents or some idea of who you thought you needed to be in order to be loved. And the one core message that can hold you through this whole process is that the divine, and I wrote about this in in an article that I wrote about Rich and my relationship and some deep awareness that came to me through my journey with him through man and wife and and uh, man and wife. Man and wife. Man and like woman. Some kind of I mean, weird antiquated yeah, language that? that you're what speaking say over that? there. Whoa. Anyway, through our relationship is, um, you know, the divine loves you just exactly how you are right now. It, it loved you the minute you came into birth, the minute you arrived. So we can all kind of relax and stop beating ourselves up that we haven't done something amazing or we haven't achieved some you know, great feet or, or, you know, or done some amazing, I don't know, activity or whatever. Um, the divine loves you simply because you are, you exist, right? So it's like the sun. The sun doesn't choose who to shine on. It doesn't say, oh, well, I like Rich better than Julie, so I'm going to shine more on him today than I am on her. It's, it's, it's equal. It's through all of creation. But you can hide in the basement. Well, that's true. So I would say come out in the sunshine. No. Um, you, you really just need, you need to find out who you are. I mean, that is, that is kind of your biggest task. Because if you, if you can access that and you can find out what your thing is, and it's going to be something that gives you extreme joy and something that when you're doing it and when you're engaged in it, you actually lose time. And when you start to drop out of the mind and drop into the heart and start to feel your body and feel how things feel to you, then you can start to make a shift from living someone else's life. Or, you know, I mean, listen, those corporations aren't going to care. They don't care if at the end of your life you're sick and on the floor and you missed your bliss. You know, no one cares. And the life is so short. It's so, so short. It goes by in a blink. So I always say, I mean, I've studied with many different spiritual teachers for, you know, 30 years, and I've read nothing but spiritual texts for 25 years. I think I read my first <laughs> Believe book. Believe me, it's true. It's true. I read my first, like, uh, like book book, maybe, since I was a kid, like, last year. But mm. anyway, um, I, uh, the one thing that I got from all of my travels... And the only thing that I can count on, you know, because some people say, oh, it's, this is what's going to happen, or, you know, it's the end of the world, the Mayan calendar, it's not the end of the world. But, you know, everybody has a different perspective of how things are going are, are gonna to be. And at the end of the day, the only thing you can do is serve your own heart. 
Because at the end of your life, it's your life. It was your choice. It was for you to discover, for you to learn, for you to live. So if you, every day when we lay our head down on the pillow in our family, we try to say that we lived our hearts as fully as we could. And that takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of courage. It has a lot of joy and a lot of bliss and a lot of fun in it as well. Not a lot of certainty in it at all. No. It's hard as shit, actually. <laughs> it's, it's harder than for rich. Yeah, it sounds all good, yeah. but it's actually quite it's difficult. It's very hard. But I think, you know, just you got to cut the chatter out, man. You know, yeah. like our minds are going a million miles an hour, and there's some, we're so overstimulated. And, and it's like, you know, you are not your mind. There is your mind and what it does, and then there is your higher consciousness. And these two things are... Not only are they not the same, they're not always friends, you know, and I think yes. it's important to realize that, that, you know, if you're not careful, your mind will run the show, but your mind necessarily doesn't always have your best interest at heart, the interest of your higher self. And you have to, you have to learn how to divorce your consciousness from your mind at times and develop tools and strategies for controlling your thought patterns because otherwise those thought patterns just run on a loop and they control your they control you they control your behavior your decision making all these sorts of things it's like this cycle that takes over your life and it's very easy to just not be aware of that and just go about your day and so you know things like meditation or you know like even extreme measures like the, you know, those isolation tanks or, right. you know, Floating for me, tank. yeah, flotation, flo- tanks. flotation tanks um, or, you know, for me, it's like going out on a trail run or whatever to try to quiet that mind. And it's, it's only when you can get into that quiet space and, and really, you know, cut through that chatter and find a way to like connect, you know, be completely present and connect with your higher self and, and your environment that you allow that opening, that space for the, the good stuff to happen. And, you know, that comes back to talking about creativity. I mean, you talk to great writers, great musicians, uh, you know, stand-up comedians, all of these people will, will tell you emphatically, without fail, that's, that their best work happens when they're not trying. Like, they're just tapped, they're connected because they're con- they're, they are still, their mind is still, they are present, they're tapped into their higher self and it just comes. You know, it's like, oh, the song wrote itself. Like, how did you write that song? Like, that song that is everybody knows. Or whatever. Well, you know, I just, it just occurred to me. It just happened, you know, and my hand just wrote it out. It's like, it's like something's working through you, you know, and you're just the vessel for expressing that, you know, you're an antenna and you have to tune your antenna into the frequency you know, so the work is in tuning the antenna so that you can receive the message and express it. That's true. It's very true. And just being open. And, you know, I mean, I consider myself just a channel. I, I have uh, expressed myself in many, many different forms of art, and I'm, I'm not technically trained in any of them. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's an ability to just tap into your heart and open up and really have the courage to, and I think... Another element is is to be in non-judgment and the 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 acceptance and and non-judgment has to be of yourself first, you know, so that you can then, you know, express that out. But if you're non-judgmental of yourself and so you're you're not caught up in the technique or any idea of your head, well th- this has to be good or I don't know what I'm doing or I'm not trained and you just throw it out the window and then just let it let it come through. 
let it come through. And you it's have to allow it rather allow than it. force yeah. it or using your self-will yeah. to make it happen. Yeah, it's true. And that process of surrender is a very tricky thing. Like that was the thing I struggled with the most trying to get sober, you know, and it's sort of a critical aspect of learning how to let go of things and, and embrace and lean into a new way of doing things that is more on the allowing side as opposed to the, you know, make it happen, push it, make it happen through your will. Right. Well, and even one step, like, beyond that, um, the humming meditation, you know, I started the humming meditation when I was going through a very difficult break with a spiritual teacher of mine that had happened in a very violent way. And um, I was in a lot of pain, and I couldn't talk to anybody about it because nobody understood what it was that I was, ex- was going through. And um, I started to uh, just get up at 4.30 in the morning and hum, really just release my heart because I had so much hardness in my heart. I didn't understand all these events that had happened and it didn't make sense to me. And I was really, really, really struggling. And I wasn't even trying to write a song. And all of a sudden, the music started coming. And... That was the most pure expression for me because as a designer, a fashion designer, an interior designer, or a painter, or a sculptor, I would um, create things, but it was um, always in the sort of waking state and with some idea in mind of what I might want to, you know, achieve. Like, oh, I think I, you know, I want it to be like this, or I want it to be like that. And here the music just came in my lap, and I think the first time, you know, I think I wrote this song called The New Earth, and, and I was like... Oh my God, you know, Rich, I, I think I'm a folk singer. Like, that's tragic <laughs> because I'm not a huge folk fan. But, um, and it's, but it's, it's the, different it's, than it's, that. It's, it's essentially what you're saying is it's getting out of the way. Totally getting, it's getting out, right. out of the way. And, yeah. like, in my own experience, I know, like, listen, you know, I would not have predicted that this is what I would be doing with my life. <laughs> it, was, it was not my plan. Yeah. It's fantastic, and I wouldn't trade what I'm doing and what I've done and kind of, you know, what I've decided to devote my life to. I wouldn't change that for anything. But, you know, six years ago, I would never have predicted this to be my trajectory in a million years. No, absolutely And the not. only reason it's... And I didn't make it happen. I didn't, like, wake up and come up with a plan for how I was going to get from where I was to what I'm doing now. What I did was I did some work to get out of the way mm-hmm. and let and allow things to happen and allow myself to be guided. With, that doesn't mean I... That, and, and I think people make the mistake of thinking, well, you're just... It's, like, I think <clears throat> people think that means you don't do work or you don't, you're not, like, actively engaged in right. your process. You know, it's right. sort, sort of like around. people who watch that movie, The Secret, and they're like, oh, yeah, you just lay in bed all day and, <laughs> like, you know, you make millions of dollars or whatever. That's not what it's about. There's a lot of work that goes into it. But right. it's a different kind of work, I think. Yeah. It's not really work, it's letting go. It's really letting go. And we call it detached action, right? So, so you're, you're, you're participating in action, but you're not, it's like AA, you're not attached to the outcome. So you, you have no expectation of the out, outcome. You may have an amazing, vi- amazing vision. And so you're going to play all out, like play to your best of your ability, and, and then you wait and see. You know, you, you're completely released. You offer that You control the things you service. have control over. You, you, you work on the things you have control over, and with respect to things you don't have control over, you divorce yourself from the outcomes, That's right, let go. I know. Yeah, that's really hard. It's, it's hard. It's very, very hard to do. 
It's hard to do, but it's actually easy. It's really easy to do. <laughs> it's a <laughs> lot easier to do that than it is yeah. to try to hang on tight. If you just feel like yourself clench up and trying to stop something, to be in non-resistance is actually very easy. You just let go. Mm-hmm. But yes, I understand what you're saying. So we're going to have to wrap it up. I could talk like for three hours, no problem. Did you learn anything matter? about me that I you learned. didn't know before we started? <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about that later. Can I just can I just ask you one thing? Yeah. I just want you to say one thing. Let's just say one thing about our relationship. Yeah. And um, so about so that fight we had yesterday. About that knock. That's a one thing about being <laughs> in the yurt village is that we can't we we can't fight freely without a possibility of fallout. Repercussions. Somebody's like, oh god, you know, they're not really happily married because they fought, you know, or whatever. So I was like, oh man, that's not so good. No, but um. I just wanted to uh, to say that it is a pleasure to be your first guest on your podcast. <laughs> I hope this is recorded. I think I it did. I can see something on the it's a pleasure, on the ladies and gentlemen. My beautiful wife, Julie Pyatt. You can find her on Twitter at Jai C J A I S E E D, but on Instagram. You're Srimati, right? Shri she has Mati. lots of names. It's very confusing. But then say my music, I please. I will. Okay. I Relax. Love I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Julie is a healer, an artist, a sculptor, a painter, a mother. She's many things. She defies definition. Um, but most dear to her is that she is a musician. So... Check out her music. Her music is at srimatimusic.com. That's S-R-I-M-A-T-I music.com. So check it out. It's pretty cool. So we have to wrap it up because we got other things we got to do. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Relax. I'll make all the plugs. Okay. okay? Um, otherwise, I could talk for hours. And I think in the future, I do want to do, like, I want to just go where the conversation leads and go as long as it goes. If it goes for three hours, then, then that's awesome. But we just had a... We had a hard out today. I hope you'll have That's a radio term, right? Hard out. What? I'll have you back. Definitely we'll have you back. And again, this is our first episode. So this thing will slowly congeal over time and we'll kind of get our voice and, and, you know, get, find our legs and, and hopefully, you know, get some nice equipment and a a real studio and get it as professional as possible. I, I would like to be able to broadcast it live on on live stream and and you know have youtube videos of the whole thing and all that kind of stuff so we'll be getting all of that um underway and taken care of hopefully in the next couple weeks in the meantime this podcast was brought to you by jai lifestyle what is jai lifestyle what does jai mean jai means uh victory or praise or hail in sanskrit yes the ancient language sanskrit it's our wellness company um with products and services so check it out jai lifestyle jai lifestyle.com um we have a uh plant-based athletic recovery supplement product called jai repair it's uh my formulation it's pretty cool it's it's uh a tri-blend of three different types of plant-based protein it's hemp protein sprouted brown rice protein and pea protein it also has all these awesome antioxidants like resveratrol, really pure resveratrol and grape skin extracts. It has your daily RDA of vitamin B12. Um, but the kicker, the special secret ingredient is the cordyceps mushrooms extract, which 
have been proven to endure, uh, boost endurance. Uh, they're great with um, enhancing uh, your body's ability to utilize and uptake oxygen, increases lung capacity and the like. I've been using them for years. It's fantastic. So it's not a cheap product. It's expensive. Sorry about that. Yeah, I know. We're working on coming out, out with some more affordable um, products, but really my marching orders from the beginning were to just offer the best products possible. And at the time, I was like, I remember when I was coming up with Jai Repair, I was like, I don't care what it costs. I just want to make the best thing. It'll cost what it costs, and people who want it will buy it. And if they can or they, they don't want it, then that's fine. So it is what it is. Um, but uh, we're working on some new stuff that's going to be more commercially available. Right now, this stuff's all only available at JaiLifestyle.com. We also have our cookbook, Jai Seeds, $9.99. It's a downloadable PDF, 77 pages of plant-based recipes, um, beautiful layout. It's like a coffee table book for, for the iPad. And we're actually in the middle of working on our second edition of that, um, which is going to be pretty cool. It's going to it's going to blow you guys away. I think it's going to be like double the size, and and we really we're going to dial in some cool interactive stuff with videos and all kinds of stuff. So that's still a ways away, but we're working on it. Um, the meditation program that Julie was talking about, the humming meditation, that's also available on Joy Lifestyle. And uh, do we have anything else? Oh, we're, we're coming out with a vitamin B12 supplement, and that should be ready in the next couple of weeks, I think. We're, right, we've got logo. it all dialed in. Yeah, it's great. It's a, basically just a, a little spray that you can you know, spray in your mouth, just one spray every you know, other, other day or something like that. Take care of all your vitamin B12 needs. If you're a vegan, you're on a plant-based diet, you know that the one nutrient uh, that you can't source from your diet is vitamin B12, so it is important to supplement with that. Um, so why not check out ours? It's gonna be, this one's going to be affordable, too. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what the price is yet, but it's going to be cheap. So that's it for Jai Lifestyle. Also, Ju- oh, you know what? We talk a lot about the Vitamix. We use the Vitamix blender in, in all of our recipe videos and, you know, and in our cookbook and stuff like that. Um, it's an incredible machine. It'll literally make juice out of anything. It'll change your life if you don't have it. But if you, <laughs> if you, uh, if you are in the market for one, um, you can get free shipping if you click on the banner ad on richworld.com or jilifestyle.com. So it's still expensive. If you can find it cheaper elsewhere, like Costco, sometimes they carry them, then you should do that. But, but uh, if you can't, then you know, buy, it, buy it from us and you kick us like five cents and help keep this podcast alive. Right, on. right for the bandwidth. Hopefully, we'll be getting a lot of bandwidth. We don't know yet. Right now, <laughs> there's zero people listening, so that could be all very presumptuous. Um, going to try to do this a couple times a week. I've got a couple guests lined up for um, later this week, so stay tuned. I've got to figure out how to get all this up on iTunes, um, which I'm going to take care of in the next couple days. I'll have show notes. Um, on my blog where I'm going to host this. So just go to richroll.com um, and I'll try to put up all the links of stuff that we mentioned in the shows. And also, I would love your feedback and comments. So please leave a comment on my website, richroll.com. Tell us what you'd like to hear, um, issues you want to hear about. Tell us what you thought about today's episode. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Should Julie come back? I don't know. Please invite we'll me to, back. Yeah. So we'll know. We'll, we'll know when you let us know. Okay. No. And can I just say one thing? <clears throat> yeah. Are you done? No. I'm not um, done, it's not but done, you but can, can I talk. Say, no, I just wanted to say that please. Are you done talking? No, please, um, please do let us know um, 
your comments and keep in touch with us. And, and please know that any of you who have ever sent an email or left a comment or contacted us, um, that it means a lot to us. And so many times when we are at a very, very low point, we will get some epic, amazing email or letter or note from somebody um, just saying how something that we did affected your life in a positive way. And um, we thank you for that from, from our hearts. So please keep connected and uh, keep in contact with us because we need, we need the exchange and we, we love it. So thanks. Speak for yourself. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I appreciate all the support. It's been an incredible year traveling around with the book. I get lots of emails from people from all over the place. It's amazing. It means more to me than you know. Um, it's really been incredible. And so now it's just about how can, we, how can we continue to put a positive message out there. You know, there's people that um, want to improve their lives. And if we can play a small, tiny part in that, that's a presumptuous statement too, isn't it? But anyway, we'll do no, our best. if we can we'll be of we service yeah. by living authentically ourselves, then that would be very lovely for us. All right, let's wrap it up. So let us know, um, richroll.com. Follow me on Twitter at richroll, uh, jilifestyle.com, srimatimusic.com. What else do we have? Any other links? Anything Jai else you want to share? Did you say yeah, that? I said that you a few that? times. You said it, which srimatimusic.com. Did <laughs> yeah, you say that? I, I did. That's it. Are Twitter, there any other websites we want to talk about? At Jiseed. Just common ground. Now it's getting confusing, of course. Yeah, please. So please, um, common ground. If you want to learn more about what's going on at common ground, which I urge you to do, um, you can find them online at cgkawaii.net, c-g-k-a-u-a-i.net. I think they're going to be redoing their website pretty soon. There isn't that much information up there, but amazing things are happening here. Support local agriculture, support your local communities, buy local when you can, eat clean, eat healthy. We're out, right? We're done. We're done. All right. All right, everybody. Peace, plants. Until next time.